From New Orleans, Louisiana, it's Empirical's PowerTech Podcast. This is the place where we talk about bringing technology to the power industry. Our goal is to educate you on the most popular trends, bring you actionable strategies from industry thought leaders, and help you make sure your utility is prepared for the future. I'm your host, Matthew Sachs, president of Empirical, former utility engineer and power industry advocate. Hey, it's Dave Mitchell. Thanks for listening to Empirical's PowerTech podcast. Did you know that our core specialty is using 3D modeling and intelligent design tools to help you manage your projects? If you're curious about how 3D might save you money and improve the accuracy of your designs, visit Empirical.com. Scroll to 3D Strategy Planning Session and click Register Now for a free call with one of our certified specialists. We hope to talk to you soon. Certainly there's no lack of natural disasters or cybersecurity incidents or the like in today's grid. So in today's episode, we discuss efforts underway to have electric utilities share their outage data with public agencies, emergency personnel, and other industries, all with the goal of benefiting both the utility and the local community. We're proud to have two distinguished guests for today's episode. Scott Sternfeld is the co-founder and chief technology officer of Agile Inclusion, but he's also the chief evangelist for the implementation phase of the Outage Data Initiative, an effort to standardize the exchange of customer power outage status with other utilities, mutual assistance organizations, and local, state, and federal emergency management agencies in support of enhanced response and restoration activities. With the endorsement and support of the Department of Energy, Mr. Sternfeld worked with electric utilities and industry vendors on a statewide pilot and progress towards national and international adoption. We also have Sean Griffin, who's the co-founder and CEO of Agile Inclusion, a company that provides risk management, security, and preparedness solutions for both industries and government. He's also CEO of their sister company, Disaster Intelligence Incorporated, which offers situational awareness and predictive analytic tools to save lives and lessen the catastrophic risk to infrastructure and the environment. Previously, he served in the White House as the Director for Incident Management Integration Policy for the National Security Council. And prior to that, he worked on resiliency and response issues at the Department of Energy and Policy and Coordination at NERC. Scott, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Scott, I'd like to start with you. Going through your LinkedIn intro summary page, it talks about how you're passionate about saving lives through technology and that you want to close the gaps between utilities, emergency management, and critical infrastructure to improve community resilience. That's a pretty big, bold statement. Where do you see those gaps existing today? Well, thank you. This, uh, these gaps come from uh, a lack of standardization for sharing outage data. Uh, and today, every utility does it differently, and there's no way to provide a seamless integration and cross-correlation between outage data and other types of data. Uh, this data can be leveraged from different critical infrastructure sectors, including water, wastewater, healthcare, and medical sectors. I see. So you're saying that even though utilities have, have this data, um, it's kind of kept in-house and, and nobody else really can see that other than just kind of a public map from, say, their website? Correct. Currently, 
there are uh, public websites uh, where utilities and, and customers and emergency managers can go to see uh, the outage information and it has varying degrees of uh, detail depending on which utility. Some utilities don't have a public web outage map at all and others post just to LinkedIn or Facebook for updates. This is a system that'll provide uh, near real-time updates with the level of detail and granularity that uh, the public can use to prepare and and have the information they need to make decisions and responses. And this information is not uh, any more detailed than what most utilities are already providing on their public website. That's interesting. So how would the communities then benefit if they were to get that data shared from the utilities to these, these public agencies? Are, are there examples where because we don't have that kind of statewide or regional or even a national outage map, or are there times when the lack of that has been detrimental to the public? Yes, that's a that's a great question that, that you ask, and I can I can give you some discrete examples on why this is important. If you look at Florida Power and Light's response in 2004 and 2005, after the various hurricanes such as Hurricane Wilma and Katrina that impacted the state, in certain cases it took them up to 18 days to restore power, and part of this was because of a lack of integration with the emergency management community and other whole community partners, as well as with the public. FPNL took a significant hit from a regulatory perspective, but also public confidence was significantly eroded. Since then, Florida Power and Light has made significant investments uh, in their infrastructure, but equally as important on their messaging. Uh, FPNL has been the leader uh, within the industry on, on providing counsel to other utilities on how to best uh, message to the public, and one way that they have found, is, as I understand, is being very transparent with outage information. And given FPNL's high penetration of advanced metering, they're able to get as real time as it gets outage information into into their systems, and to be able to communicate that to all partners on on a reoccurring basis every three hours, as required by the state. Most importantly, uh, it allows other elements, as Scott mentioned, such as healthcare and telecom, understand where power is out and where priority restoration efforts need to be made to ensure that uh, lives are, are saved and property is protected. From the perspective of, if you look out west today, with the wildfires that are completely ravaging uh, the state of California, much of the speculation is being made that utilities are the source of ignition for these forest fires and it's been documented over the past few years that Pacific Gas and Electric uh, has been the source of ignition of many of the catastrophic fires that have happened out west. The fact is if utilities would be able to have greater prediction and forecasting and understanding of where uh, outages may happen to be able to alert the relative agencies such as fire management services to be able to interdict and stop the fires from spreading. PG&E's stock prices may not be plummeting like you're seeing uh, or Edison International. Their stock prices are taking a hit because the fact is there's even speculation that uh, utilities may become bankrupt as a result of the insurance 
and other liability costs that have been resulting from these catastrophic fires. The fact is that in, in order to get ahead of the curve, utilities must be sharing outage data with relevant partners like the emergency management community so they can create a unified effort in responding and interdicting and preventing these catastrophic losses because ultimately it might be the detriment of the, in the entire utility itself. So clearly I can see where the public benefits from, from that knowledge. And I guess, Sean, you're saying that utilities do have some benefits as well from sharing the data. And if, if that's the case, why would they be not willing to do so or, or what would cause them to maybe be reluctant? I think the reluctant is uh, fear of regulation, frankly, or that the public will lack additional confidence in them is if they say, for example, the estimated time for restoration is four hours or four days, and they don't meet that mark, that somehow uh, the regulator or the public will be scrutinizing. When it comes down to crisis communication, which is ultimately what we're talking about here, if you look at the Center for Disease Control, they state to be first, be right, and be credible with your messaging. And as long as the utilities are honest, and providing the highest confidence level of, of information, I, I believe that the utilities, or the regulators rather, and the public will be more forgiving. The fact is if, if the utilities hide the information and not being forward with their messaging, this is how Florida Power and Light found itself in a bind in the 2004-2005 season. The regulators were much more critical uh, as well as the public uh, on their response, even though they were doing everything in their in their power to be able to restore the system. Utilities have to be more forward-leaning and more transparent, more so than ever. And given the fact that we're in this environment in uh, Silicon Valley, for example, where major tech companies are being chastised for shrouding public data and being uh, selective as far as what what they're being honest on, many of these companies are, are recognizing that transparency is the best policy as, as far as dealing with, with the crisis. This has been studied uh, since the Tyanol incident in the 80s where many people died in the Chicago area from cyanide. It is well documented that being transparent in a crisis is, is the most effective way on gaining public confidence as well as confidence in, in your shares uh, or, or from your shareholders. Tynol took a significant hit from from a stock perspective, but they were able to rebound. Where other companies that uh, suffered similar challenges completely capsized by the, by the lack of, of confidence. The fact is Pacific Gas and Electric is taking a hit and may not be able to rebound from these various fires. If they were able to communicate problem sets and outages on their system to whole community partners who could intervene, they wouldn't be in the same situation that they are today. Well, Scott, for those of us that aren't familiar with the outage data initiative, can you kind of give us a brief summary of, of what it is and what it's attempting to do and how did it even come about? Sure. Uh, back around 2013, after Hurricane Sandy the uh, White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, uh, along with other outage, uh, without other public data exercises and activities, uh, such as the green button for sharing energy data, blue button for sharing health data, this emerged as the red button 
uh, project for sharing outage information. And it had to do with uh, addressing the continuity of messaging and continuity of information that the public would receive. And the public would receive different information at that time from radio, TV, uh, utilities, and from state officials. And so having the utility be better informed in a, and having a single answer, regardless of where their information comes from, gives them uh, better uh, confidence and better ability to plan. Uh, this project gathered uh, a dozen utilities and along with the, the White House developed an international standard of how to represent this information. Uh, we had participation from several of the major industry vendors to implement this and several demonstrations were uh, were carried out at the Distributech conference over a few years. Uh, I had come into picking this project up and as I learned about the emergency management realm and role and looking at how outage data could benefit emergency managers. I took this to, uh, to Department of Energy, who we thank for taking interest in sponsoring this and leading to a, a statewide pilot in the state of Washington, together with Oak Ridge and the Electric Power Research Institute. And today, Seattle City Light Public Utility is sharing and publishing their outage data to the web that is being subscribed to by the Washington State Energy Disruption Tracking System. Prior to January 2018, this data was not available to them or any of their emergency management partners. And this is just the first step. What would be the status of the initiative today? Today, we are looking for additional utilities to adopt this, uh, this technology and explore this uh, with us to help validate the steps and the progress that has been made so far. We want to see what data, what is the critical data set? What is the information that's needed by emergency managers and where that data might exist and which, which partner could help provide that information? We look at how the data is shared and then that leads into uh, the more the more valuable end point of how do we cross correlate that data? How do we identify interrelated risks between the critical infrastructure? So we're asking utilities, vendors, emergency managers at the local uh, county and state level to approach and partner with us. This is not a product. This is just merely standardization that can be adopted by uh, any agency with, uh, with incident management or GIS system. If you're looking for utility participation, does it matter what kind they are? Uh, if they're investor owned, if they're an electric co-op, if they're a municipal system, if they're big, if they're small, does any of that matter or just the more the better? We're open to any uh, utility type. In fact, the the smaller munis and co-ops are 
uh, vastly underrepresented and represents the the most significant area where we can improve visibility uh, into outages. They are served primarily by only three vendors, and those three vendors, by uh, working with us, implementing being uh, certified that they are compliant with the uh, with the standard, we could affect uh, a significant portion of the 3,000 utilities in the United States just by working with three vendors and minimum of three utilities. Sounds good. Uh, Sean, tell me, what does your team at Agile do to advance this initiative and foster what both of you call this unity of effort that you're looking for? Absolutely. Agile inclusion is, as you mentioned up front, we're a veteran-owned business. I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. And and our our core mission is advancing cross-sector infrastructure and system resilience for government industry and our community clients. And our primary way we achieve this is by creating policy that works, plans that function, and continuous improvement through exercises. Now, what we see uh, as the chief benefit, not only just getting everybody around the table to talk to one another, but actually providing the context to the problem and driving towards solution. What I like to say is we need to go from problem admiration to problem solving. And one of the things is that there's, there's a key point that Scott brought up, the data itself is useless. What is important is the cross-section of the data sets to provide context that is unique. Telling me what the outage is, well, that doesn't tell me anything different. Something I already know, I can pick up the phone and call my emergency manager and tell them, hey, we have a million customers without power. To me, that's honestly useless. The, the utility of the information is cross-correlating that data uh, to provide the unique insight in the context to accelerate decision-making, such as, for example, uh, I'll give you a discrete uh, problem set. Electrically dependent medical devices, such as dialysis machines or ventilators. It would be useful to have vulnerability data, such as nursing homes, uh, marginalized communities and other communities who may be at higher risk to a particular disaster or crisis. Taking that information, cross-correlating with with the outage data, plus the the data that's coming in from the emergency management community, for example, the, the types of assets that would be available, such as backup generators and fuel capacity, and providing uh, vulnerability or risk indices to be able to understand, okay, if if I'm going to save lives and I'm going to triage this event, where do I resource allocate and provide the best opportunity uh, for intervention in order to maximize life saving and life sustaining? Given the fact that we are up against potentially catastrophic incidents, whether it's a coordinated uh, uh, physical cyber attack on the grid or a, a natural hazard like a Cascadia uh, subduction zone rupture or a new Madrid uh, seismic event. The fact is we're going to have extreme disruption to our infrastructure assets where we're not going to be able to be all things for all people. We're going to have to have not a sledgehammer approach, but rather a, a scalpel approach where we make prioritized decisions to particular problem sets and do advanced triaging. But in order to do that type of triage in such a catastrophic incident, 
we have to have access not only to the real-time data sets, but the historical data sets so we can start to build predictive models today in order to understand what the problems of the future are so that we can allocate and appropriate funding jointly between public and private sectors to be able to be positioned for these types of incidents to reduce the risk to communities uh, in the future. One way that we've proposed uh, with utilities specifically, which is an area that uh, ends up costing a lot of money, which is vegetation management. You know, one of the largest impacts is branches and down trees that damage transmission infrastructure within easements. Utilities employ a multi-year approach to vegetation management where we could propose advanced correlation modeling together with high resolution rapid re refresh forecast data and leaf loading for, for different uh, tree species to, in order to understand what the stress factors are in the trees and to deploy deep learning and artificial intelligence to develop preliminary forecast algorithms to expose transmission infrastructure risk before major storms. We can run these queries against weather models uh, and update them and deliver real-time updates back to the utilities where they can understand and triage crews in order to more effectively mitigate against potential transmission infrastructure damage, which could result in widespread outages. As we know, in the 2003 blackout, it was a tree <laughs> that caused the problem. You know, the fact is that we need to get ahead of the curve with leveraging these technologies that exist today. We're not talking about future, you know, 20 years from now. We have technologies that exist today from advanced orbital platforms through our tech partners in Digital Globe who can provide us the predictive analytical tools to allow utilities to get ahead of when uh, vegetation problems will create outages, but equally as important, how to best schedule vegetation management to be able to forecast to save money and be able to uh, triage these problems to not only predict when outages could happen, but also to prevent them from happening in the first place, which is ultimately the case, whether it be the fires in California or a snowstorm in the Northeast. We have the technologies today, as well as the data, as long as the utilities provide it, to be able to predict uh, outages and to restore power faster following an event. That's really exciting stuff. You've laid out a great value proposition for the utility, but you've also kind of said there's a higher purpose to all this big data that we're now generating with our systems and, and with the digitization of the grid and, and all this other information coming in. So if I'm a utility engineer, manager, or executive, and I'm interested how do I start participating in this effort? What's, what's kind of the first step, the very next action you guys recommend that, that I would take? Utilities can reach out to tech partners and, and solution providers like ours, not because we are the only ones that can provide the solution set. I'm a firm believer in rising tides floats all boats. It takes a whole of society and whole community to solve these complex problems. The reality is, you know, looking at the, the issues, we have access to the data. When I sat down with Eric Salagi, the CEO of Florida Power and Light back in Florida, or back in, uh, in April, excuse me, he said, we have high penetration of advanced metering and we're sitting on all this data. We don't know what to do with it. We visited with MIT Lincoln Lab. They used LIDAR and mapped the entire island of Puerto Rico. 
They also use LIDAR to map portions of, of Texas following Hurricane Harvey. They're sitting on this, this large treasure trove of data, but they don't know what to do with it. So the first step that we need to do is A, sit down and define what do we want to achieve with these technologies and these data sets. Develop a discrete list of objectives and start to find all the teaming partners that make sense in order to, to develop these capabilities. Again, the tech exists, the data is there. We need to start, number one, asking the right questions of data, and number two, working collaboratively to build the solution sets where ultimately, and not just benefits the utility, but our whole community partners and the people that we serve. Well, this has been some terrific stuff. Scott, Sean, I applaud both your efforts and what you guys are doing to advance this. I think it's uh, a wonderful time uh, for utilities to, to embrace the way they could use this technology and, and not just for maybe the typical we need to restore, we need to restore quicker, or we're looking at our typical KPIs around our, the reliability of our system, but when you start improving the resiliency of our communities, and, and bringing to bear how public agencies and emergency responders can, can improve the quality as well. You've, you've really hit on something special. So I congratulate you on what you've done so far, and, and I can't thank you enough for being on today's show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. In today's episode, we heard from experts about the critical need for utilities to share their data with public agencies and others in an attempt to improve emergency response and increase security of our communities even to the point of saving lives. In today's era of big data, efforts like the Outage Data Initiative serve a higher purpose by converting that data into a platform for improving the health and resiliency of all of our lives. Thanks for tuning in today. You help us keep this going, and we'll see you next time. Well, that about wraps up this edition of the PowerTech Podcast. If you haven't yet, please log in to wherever you subscribe to the podcast and both rate this show and leave a comment, as that really helps new subscribers in the power industry to find us. Also, for more free insights on bringing technology to the power industry, make sure to visit Empirical.com. We post free white papers, articles, and all of our previous podcasts there. Plus, you can register for a free 3D strategy planning session call with one of our 3D planning specialists. Again, you can do all of that and much more at Empirical.com. Please stay tuned and join us for the next episode of the PowerTech Podcast. And until next time, keep engineering powerful solutions.